0: Conflict in life and relationships is inevitable, but it doesn't have to end in disaster. Today, we're joined by Bruce Case to discuss how followers of Christ can learn to disagree, resolve the conflicts we've been avoiding, and create real change. I'm Susan Eaton. This is the Embodied Holiness Podcast, and you're listening to Episode 7. This is a podcast about how we can let the life of Christ live itself out in our everyday lives. In each episode, we take an everyday topic and talk about how we are encouraged and challenged in that aspect of life to embody and reflect the characteristics of Christ. We're not perfect. We're not experts. We're regular women who are seeking, like you, to embody holiness in our everyday. So if you don't feel spiritual, if you aren't sure how to grow in holiness, or if
1: you just like some company on the journey, then you're in the right place. I'm Lindsay Lewis.
0: I'm Lyra Lee Christensen. And I'm Susan Eaton. Thanks for being a part of the community and conversation as we learn how to embody holiness together. Well, Bruce, we are so happy to have you join us today on the Embodied Holiness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for what is sure to be a very easy topic.
2: Light, easy, and I'm so good at it, by the way. I mean, I'm so good at dealing with it. Not. Not uh, causing conflict. So I'm really, my goal is to learn a little bit today from two great sages, you and Lindsay, about how to do this. Because conflict is tough, challenging.
1: Well, if that's your plan, we might have some conflict. Because we're expecting you to be prepared for this and provide us with some some insight.
2: Okay, well, good luck on that. (laughs) Uh, I'll do my best. I'll do my best.
0: Well, we are here to talk about conflict, so let's just do it. I mean, I don't know that conflict is my favorite thing to experience in life. Honestly, I probably am a person who tries to avoid conflict more than I like to deal with conflict. I don't think I'm alone in that, um, but conflict makes me break out in sweats, kind of gives me the shivers a little bit. Um, what I don't know that you're really a healthy person if you thrive on conflict and you like to create conflict, but how would you guys say you react or relate to conflict in your life?
2: I would say that. I mean, I just was telling Lindsay before we went on that I took a personality test, and my top three shadow sides or have weaknesses, whatever you want to call, it, is that it like I'm a pleaser, well, and an, an avoider, uh, mm-hmm. and I am uh, what is what was my third one. Um, probably memory, uh, remembering things from fast, <laughs> but, but the two things though, it's like, I am especially geared to, uh, really struggle in this area. So this is a hard area in my life that I, I constantly need to get better at. And,
1: mm-hmm. well, you know, Bruce, I teach conflict resolution and I help <laughs> people to become more assertive communicators, but sometimes I yell and sometimes I'm mm. a bully Mm. And sometimes I avoid when I shouldn't. It's not easy. Even even when we think we have all the quote unquote answers, right? We've read the book. We've taught the class. Conflict is really, really tough, especially when the stakes are high and when it is a relationship that you care about um, or a situation that you care about.
0: So I think it is hard for all of us. Mm-hmm. I agree. And we're we're in a culture that is fueling conflict very often. I mean, it, you, if you don't see the conflict in the world, you're not looking. It. We live in a culture of canceling and cursing. I mean, we cancel people out that disagree with us. We will not listen to them. We don't want to hear their side of things. We don't want to invest that time to listen to where they're coming from and understand them. We just want to cancel them out, make them an enemy. And then the cursing part often comes along with that, especially on social media. This is where I see it the most. We are so quick to belittle, berate, curse, break down, tear down someone when we're online because we're not face-to-face with that person. And when we're not face-to-face, they lose their humanity and now we feel like we can say anything. And it just creates this discord and this this um, pain in our community and it causes stress on all of us because of the conflict, not just the conflicts, but our inability to properly handle the conflicts that are inevitable. Like we said at the beginning,
2: Susan, you're you're talking to me like you're you're describing toxic conflict. That's right? the word I was looking for. And, yes. you know, I think you think about like in our marriages, you know, I. Um, when I do um, uh, marital counseling it makes me nervous when the couple says we never fight Mm. it's not really Mm. about not fight. it's fighting fair it's fighting Mm -hmm. dignity and learning which is a lifelong process if you're like me uh, you know and Jen and I you know of of knowing how to disagree in a way that's healthy and seeing the gift there and so that's kind of what you're describing this like toxic conflict where we just don't know how to fight so we either avoid it or do it in the worst kinds of ways that tear mm-hmm. people down.
1: And back to your point about social media, I think that social media makes it seem okay. Mm-hmm. So then when you get into those interpersonal relationships, like in a marriage, we wouldn't look someone in the eye and call them names and curse them and tell them. They're, at least I hope you wouldn't. I hope that wouldn't be your nature. but. Social media tells us that's okay. And not only is that okay, but that's the way we respond to conflict. We mm-hmm. destroy our opponents. We win the battle. Mm-hmm. And that is a really dangerous place to be working from, especially as Christians. And it's not our goal as followers of Christ to destroy others that have uh, viewpoints that are different from us, to hurt others, to bring more pain and more brokenness. It's it's the opposite of what we're called to do, but it's very easy for us to get pulled into that because it seems normal. It's
0: it's just right in front of us every day. Sometimes I think we're participating and we don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Bruce, when we were talking about this episode and preparing for this, one of the things you said was that as followers of Christ, we are responsible for making the choice to be the grown-up in the room mm-hmm. when conflict yes. arises. That it yes. is really our responsibility to not run away from it, not cancel and curse, but to approach it, lean into it, and find healthy ways to relate to someone that we're in conflict with, even if the disagreement is pretty deep.
2: I, I completely agree. I mean, there's a theological, uh, there's a faith um, component to this. That is, that if we we take Jesus seriously, it's uh, we we got to learn how to do this in uh, sort of the Jesus way. And there's also on the Good side on the flip side, it um, there's an opportunity there. It is a form, I think, of witnessing
0: mm-hmm. when
2: someone can come in and take the temperature down, help people to see the humanity and the image of God and everybody in the room. What a gift that we have! What an opportunity! But it, it's a cross to bear, but it's also an opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, the three of us have been reading this book, Love is the Resistance, by Ashley Abercrombie. And it's a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am falling in, I'm becoming more of a Susan Eaton every day, which is not a bad thing because my <laughs> book is dog eared and underlined and, you know, amen. And, <laughs> and Lindsay, this part's talking to you all throughout this book. But she you had, didn't get it from the
2: library, did you? I did not get okay, it. Okay, good. The as library. long as you didn't do that, you're good. Uh, yeah. That, <laughs> there'll be a conflict there that. If would that would be
1: happens. a conflict. <laughs> uh, also, you're trying to call me out. So don't. <laughs> <laughs> Lamar County Library. Truth do not love. do not take away my <laughs> library card. But she says here, if you discover yourself on the extreme end of anything but love, it's mm. time to reevaluate. Ooh,
2: how beautiful is that? Oh, man. And that wow. struck
1: me because my first thought was, oh, yeah, I can think of all these people that take these extreme views. But then I, I had to turn that light inward and say, what is it that I'm putting above l- love? What are those things that are I wouldn't say they're more important, but in the way I'm acting, I'm acting as if, as if they're more important because I'm putting those um, ideas or um, those extreme views in front of loving
0: others and being able to accept them as Christ would have accepted them. Well, just this morning, I was reading in Galatians 5, actually, um, verses 13 through 15. This is the part that slammed me right between the eyes, especially as we're talking about conflict. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. And I think that when we're talking about this toxic conflict, this is what we're talking about, that the biting and the devouring that leads to destruction and cannot build anything healthy.
2: Yeah, that's a great point, Susan. And I would say is not all of Scripture, this meta-narrative about this conflict, this Mm -hmm. kind of unresolved. I mean, ever since... Cain killed Abel, you know I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, am I my brother's keeper, and all of a sudden, you could just about throw a dart at your Bible and on every page, there's some sort of conflict being worked out between God, God's people, Israel, and their enemies, and then and then it moves on in the New Testament. So I would say that is so important. this narrative is trying to mark us all as people who become ambassadors for Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Paul says that. Um, The gift of love, if I do anything without the gift of love. And so this engaging conflict becomes sort of a a way of life to do it healthy. And I think the more we do it, the stronger we, we grow.
1: And then to think of Jesus was ultimately the resolution to the conflict between our sinful selves and God the Father. And so we have to model our behavior after Jesus. And while many of us like to think that we are modeling uh, Christ behavior when we're thumping our Bibles and we're destroying our opponents with, you know, this scripture or that scripture. That's not what we saw
0: lived out in the life of Jesus. And Bruce, actually, while we were talking, you said something about reframing conflict and seeing it as a gift. Could you share a little more about that?
2: Sure. I, I think that for me, As an avoider, I have to think of it as a gift. Now, this this is not something on social media, but something I know that I have to address and resolve. And what helps me gain the courage and humility to do it is to see the opportunity on the other side of conflict. Mm. Something is going to be born out of that. And again, not to get too theological, but can we? We can, can't we?
0: Of course, we can. can this we is talk called about God embodied here? holiness. Good, yes, good. I was hoping we talk of theology. Okay, <laughs>
2: you know, it's like God. If that's death and resurrection over and over again. Mm-hmm. There's something beautiful born out of something that looks um, ugly and awful and irredeemable. And that's where God surprises us a lot of times through conflict. I think I'm right. That person's wrong. And then I go, Oh wow, no, maybe I'm maybe I've got a blind spot. You know, maybe I'm not God. Sometimes I have to, and so conflict gives us the gift of shaping us in that, in the cruciform shape of love that we're all called to do and to be. I've, I heard it, I think a football coach say this, and he said, you know what, if you want to make everybody happy, sell ice cream, right? (laughs) And, but, but we're not, we're all in the mission. There's something God is calling us to do, and so, I can't just thirty one flavor my way out of this. I've got to be who I am. I've got to love the other person, and we got to work on that because that is where the gift is. Mm-hmm. I saw something not too long ago about uh, a teacher that described conflict like a like a weed. Hmm. You know, d- deal with it early, um, and 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 lean in because again, I'm talking about a healthy conflict. Because if you're, if you're one to avoid it, it's not going anywhere Mm -hmm. and it festers Mm -hmm. and the loving thing to do is, is not hastily deal with it and not do it in a negative way, but to, you know, with a lot of prayer and with a lot of thought and a lot of practice and and you deal with the small things, maybe you can deal with the bigger things as you go, you
1: Mm -hmm. know.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. in a good way.
0: I can speak to the weed thing because (laughs) Stuart and I, y'all know this six years ago, we bought this fixer upper house that had been left abandoned and that included the yard and the weeds had overtaken the yard. And Fred Fisher gave us this advice. He said, the way you take care of those weeds is you keep mowing them, keep mowing them. You stay on top of it because when you mow the weeds down, it gives the grass space to grow. And so that's what you're that's talking about with conflict is I need to address this quickly. If we didn't stay on the mowing, then the weeds would have gotten out of control. If I don't stay on top of, oh, I sense something is brewing here between me and this other person or a group, my group I'm in and this other group. If if we can stay on that and tend to those things before they fester, before they grow, before they get out of control, we're better able
2: Amen, to, yes.
0: To let it be a healing thing and a gift like you're talking about. So one
1: of the strategies when you have, and you know, I teach public speaking, so when you have an audience that doesn't agree with you, one mm-hmm. of the strategies is the common ground approach. You focus on what we have in common. And so the grass is what can grow with the, the common ground, right? Mm-hmm. That we have more in common with one another than we do conflict. Yes. Yeah. But when we focus on the conflict so you would never persuade an audience by saying first let me tell you how wrong you are about it let me let me point out everything that you have instead you say (laughs) what do we have in common and that's Mm -hmm. how we build that relationship and then we begin to build trust and once you have that foundation of trust now we can move into a place of responsible conflict conflict that um, we can we can grow from conflict that can be a gift
2: Oh, that's such a good point. And thinking about that, Lindsay, there, uh, d- kind of building on that strategy. I don't know if you've heard of it. I'm sure you've heard of everything I'm about to bring up because you heard teach of it. I've uh, <laughs> I was everything, absolutely. I was at a, um, an interreligious conference, all these religions, and it was, uh, it was at Lake Alaska. and there was this woman who's a rabbi in New York State, and she did a, she did a presentation on Can We Talk? And talking about, talking about difficult things. Mm -hmm. And she said, one thing I do a lot when there's a, there's um, chaos or there's, there's disagreement or there's a high emotions is one great uh, strategy is to get curious, be curious, explore. Hey, y'all, I'm noticing that the room, that there's a lot of emotion right now. Do y'all feel that? So that you're helping everybody raise the awareness of what's going on. Or even if someone says something that really pushes your buttons, instead of going into that full-fledged, I'm leaning into you. It's like, tell me more, Lindsay. Tell me how. And I've I've used that a few times. Um, I hadn't bet a thousand on that, but still, I found that to be a good strategy as
0: well. You know why I think that works so well? is because deep down, we all want to be heard. And when we're in conflict, too often, everybody in the conflict is trying to speak and be right. And when you feel like you're being run over, or your opinion doesn't matter, that your words are not being listened to, what are you going to do? You're going to get more into that fight mode. Yes. Your heart rate's going to go up. You're going to be more emotional and you're going to react out. You're going to start fighting. Yeah, you're going you're, to you are fight. threatened. You I feel threatened yes. now. And it is such a, a magical tactic to say, let me hear from you. What are, How are you feeling right now? Wait, the questions you said that she asked. I mean, because I think that diffuses things because, like I said, deep down, I just want you to hear me. Mm. Maybe I don't even have to be right. Maybe that's not really what I want. But I feel like I have to act like that because you won't listen to me. So now I have to fight for my right to be heard. But if we'll just listen to one another to begin with, then we can all relax about it. You know? Yeah, That that's really a struggle for me, though.
1: I tend to stop talking. Mm. But that doesn't mean I'm listening. Mm in my brain, I am building that case against you. Oh, And yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just I mean, I'm just really putting it out there. But this is so many times how I respond is, okay, I'm gonna let you talk. But the whole time, I'm just getting ready to destroy your argument. That's not seeking a resolution that is seeking to win. And that ties back Mm -hmm. to My ego has taken over my pridefulness. Mm -hmm. I'm not coming from a place of wanting to find a common ground. I'm not coming from a place of wanting true resolution. I just I just want to be the winner. And I think a lot of us struggle with that. But when we can identify that that is a place we tend to go, then we can stop and reframe and say, okay, this is not, this is not the outcome. What is the true outcome that I want? Do I want to win at all costs, or do I want to resolve this conflict so that I can strengthen
0: this relationship? Mm-hmm. I was talking to my children the other night. I don't know how this came up. I'm sure it made sense as a great parental teaching moment, but I was recounting yet again to them a lesson I learned as a young 20-something early on in youth ministry, and I was having a difficult night with 35 senior highs who wanted to do anything but be respectful to me this I was probably 21 or 22 years old so you're already starting off with I feel like I have to demand the respect a little more because I'm so young and you're not looking at me like the 40 year olds or you know in the room and so these these kids were just not getting it together and I made the choice to um remove some of them from from the youth group Expulse, time expo- um, the expulsion you, method what part you of people out of i, church, I just kicked them right on out of there <laughs> they had a choice i gave them opportunities to choose and they would not choose okay. and i may have said something in the form of what part of leave don't you understand okay so it was just really not a great Whoa, moment no you know? suit for
2: you moment it was Susan.
0: not a good <laughs> moment so i told them to leave and here's why i was telling that story It didn't end the way I wanted it to. So I wanted respect. I wanted to accomplish something good and holy that night. I had something to say. But the way I dealt with the conflict to remove people and to not be patient and to not take a breath and think about what I really wanted to accomplish, I broke down relationships. So Mm. one of those young people never came back, you see. One did, one ended up in our wedding, you know, <laughs> and the other one never came back. Yeah. And that's why I was bringing it up to my children was, you know, think about what do I really want as an outcome and what do I need to do to get that outcome? Because sometimes when, every time, when we react out of our emotions and in the moment of I'm going to win this and I have got to end this tension right now and I'm going to do it in this very harsh cutting off discrediting whatever kind of way I'm breaking things down that sometimes are not healed
2: it's so easy to fall into that Susan I've I've, I've got 10 stories that sound a lot like what you just shared as a youth director <laughs> yeah. so this must be a great a training ground um what you're talking about too is just self-awareness i mean what do mm-hmm. i want what am i trying to get out of this and that is so important because if i want to win or if i'm trying to fix the other person i in my opinion i veered from the jesus way mm-hmm. and that's convicting and that's humbling it takes a lot of courage uh to admit that to ourselves and to confess that but then maybe the course can, what do I want out of this conversation? what do I want out of this conflict? and what we want is um, is to reconcile God has we reconciled really the entire world that. through Christ right I mean that's the whole point of our entire faith is mm-hmm. reconciliation, which is the gift of conflict
1: Well, Bruce, now that we know what we want, what do we do? how how do we engage? In better conflict, how do we engage? Because we know that conflict is inevitable, in a way that is life giving and not um, not taking away. We don't want to lose those souls. We don't want to lose ourselves. So, what do we do? Where do we start?
2: I think the first place to start is is you do it carefully and thoughtfully and slowly. Do it with prayer. Um, recognize that here is an opportunity. It may not be pleasant, but. If, um, if you can listen to the voice of God through this and be very responsive to um, what Christ is trying to do through you, you're gonna, you're gonna, um, there may be a better outcome and a, a beautiful gift. I think the first thing on a practical turn, too, would be just be respectful of the other person. In Christian parlance, I'm always talking to someone who is made in the image of God. That person may hate me. That person may be an angry atheist. Or that person may think they're superior to me in their religion, you know, and, and think I'm an atheist. <laughs> but whatever that is, that person was made in the image of God. So it's be, be aware, too, of like just the balance. Listen more than you talk. Remember that time. You listen somebody out. Let them share. Someone said on a podcast, too, and this is sort of in the, in the same category, being respectful, is that... Assume that about ten percent of what the other person is saying is true. There's some truth in there somewhere. You may, you know, and and when you do that, it's that common ground. Mm-hmm. It's you, yeah. you're finding something. You're finding your kinship, and I think that is a a beautiful way to do it. Uh, is to it's just just assume that there's some truth in there. It may be very little. Find that truth. Bring it out, and that'll get you to the next stage. Wait,
1: so are you saying that we shouldn't just immediately send that text message with the first things that pop into <laughs> our mind? That we should wait and pray and be reflective?
2: Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> I've Lindsay. had so
1: much success with those firing off <laughs> moments. Right? Great. I mean, it's so successful. It feels so
2: good for about ten seconds. Yeah, and then there's... you go, "Can I delete this? No, you cannot." I you cannot know?
0: tell you guys how many phone calls I've received from college students, young adults who have oops I did this thing I you know I had this conflict they explained to me the hurt they explained to me what happened and yet they went online or you know and they wrote something and got the situation fired up anymore even more because they, brought other people who were not a part of the original conflict who were not a part of the hurt into that conversation and then people started taking sides and then the thing blows up i've seen that more than once and so i think that in this time in this culture with texting with social media emails for us old people that still email yeah that that we really have to be careful and think about how do i approach the person i'm in conflict with face to face how do we meet in person and talk don't have those crucially important conversations online via email via text just don't do it. Yeah, not Just right don't in the moment. Do it. You don't mm-hmm. have one
1: of those signs that says "coffee helping people do stupid things faster" since whatever year. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because technology is that way that uh, it helps yes. us do stupid yes. things faster. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you know, of course, in person when we're having uh, a conflict that is in person, it's harder because you you don't have that back button before you hit send. And I have really been dealing with this a lot with my children, because when we come home in the afternoons, I am tired and they are tired and we all have different goals. Cause you were talking about what is my goal here? And that's when conflict arises. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I feel like you're talking to me when you uh-huh. say, slow down, yeah. listen more than you talk. That has never been my strength. Hence doing a podcast.
2: <laughs> hey, let me ask you as a mom, like, and I'm just I'm just curious like do you ever name that with your kids? And I bet you do. But like do you ever say, "Okay, kids, look, long day, you're tired, I'm tired." I mean, is that a mom strategy? I just wonder.
1: This this is a constant conversation I've, I have with my kids two or three times a week. All right, guys. Mom should have dealt with that differently. I am tired. I was frustrated. And I yelled, or I did whatever it was that I did, and I shouldn't have done that. In the future, I'm going to try to mm. do more of this. Next mm-hmm. time, you can maybe do more of this and yeah. try to give them that. I wish I didn't have to do that as much as I do, Bruce. But I that's really so do. so
2: beautiful. Let me just affirm you and just say that is so powerful because you're teaching your kids how to deal with conflict. And yeah, we they're have like, to oh, ourselves. mom can name it. That's just a beautiful. That's, uh, yeah, I just. I think that's fantastic. So don't apologize for that. That's You're gifting your children, I guarantee you, because mm-hmm. they're learning how to deal with it. Yeah, I'm giving you. them
1: opportunities to deal with conflict. A- absolutely. How, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what them, my goal is. You're making them tough, Lindsay. You're making <laughs> them way. see all the good, the bad, yeah. and the ugly of conflict resolution. Yeah, uh, You know. powerful. Another thing, and, and Ashley brought it out in her book, but of course this is something that I teach people and I know both. Susan and Bruce counsel um, couples and you know you do marriage counseling or, or premarital counseling um, and these I statements where we don't tell other people what they are or what they're doing we only speak from our own perspective and so that's a very good strategy in dealing with conflict this is how I feel this is what I'm experiencing rather than you are doing this and it's bad or it's wrong, and naming their actions. Do you guys mm-hmm. see that? Oh, when... boy.
2: that's Yeah, that's so true and so important. Yeah, amen to that.
1: And and
0: Bruce, up. when we were talking earlier, you said that one of the things to do is to ask non-loaded questions, mm. to say, okay, what are the non-loaded questions I can ask? What are the help me understand questions? Help me understand where you are and where you're coming from. That is also something I'm not great at. but
2: Well, like versus the leading questions, right? The one that you know the answer to right. and you think, gotcha. You know, <laughs> that never advances, you know, that never gets you toward that end that I think God is looking for. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so important, yes.
1: And I, I read this in Ashley's book where she talked about, that sometimes you have to create space and she she did like a little asterisk here in case you are an internal processor and the other person is an external processor and it made me think about my marriage because i'm very much an external processor i want to talk things out and my husband is an internal processor and so you really have to be aware of that and he can be aware of it and create that space but i also have a responsibility to recognize that the other person needs time to process and and that if I catch them off guard, then I'm putting them in a place that's making them very uncomfortable. And then we're all more likely to be acting out of our emotions rather than um, really, you know, seeking to to resolve that
0: conflict. And a lot of times when if we do approach someone that we're in conflict with, if we're uh, bringing it up, if we're saying, hey, let's talk about this. Sometimes we have spent a lot of time already dealing with it and working things out in our head but maybe they haven't which goes back to yeah, what you're saying so give true. them the same ability to process it and think it through and have the time and the space that they need that you've had
2: i've, I've been in now this is more group conflict and i know we don't have enough time to get into all those dynamics but where there's a meeting and there's just you sense it, the tension going up and i've i've seen leaders go okay we're going to take a break." Let's everybody just kind of go walk and pray. Let's pray. Let's just give it some moment. Let's reconvene in about 15 minutes. And I've seen that work miracles because it does give people who want to think through and you can't keep up with the pace of the conversation or maybe introverts, extroverts, all the ways in which we're different to help include people. And I think that's powerful.
1: Bruce, these are great strategies, but I'm going to be real- realistic. They don't always work. And sometimes there is just no resolution to the conflict. So where do we go from there? You know, as as disciples of Christ, what do we do with that? That mm-hmm. is,
2: that's the sixty four thousand dollar question, Lindsay. And I, uh, many don't, and uh, I, I think that's uh, we, we sometimes we want and desire for the right things, and we're you know we are prayed up on it and have prepared and then all of a sudden boom it everything falls apart for me when that happens um i go back to prayer (laughs) and and what i'm reminded is is that i'm i'm not god i i'm not going to be able to fix i'm not the mr fix it man Mm -hmm. and god doesn't really even want me to be that because i think that i just allow myself to be a human being and then do the internal conflict work? How can I, um, in a negative sense, how can I not let this person live rent-free in my brain? Yeah. Mm. But really, in a more noble sense, how can I continue to wish for this person's will, good uh, good fortune, goodwill? How can I pray to, for this person's blessings, even though I know we didn't get to the point of reconciliation? I remember um, an author, Oh, and I'll remember it, in about an hour from now. Uh, but she said, You know, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you odd, <laughs> which means my job is to be odd for God. My job is to live a peculiar life in this world that points people to God's reconciling love, period. And that means results will come and go, and I'll be better at it on some days than others. And some days the magic will happen, some days it won't. But that's really what I want. I want to do God's will in this world.
1: Yeah, I love that. Let Jesus
0: be Jesus. And we can. We just have to be ourselves and, yeah. and do what we can with that. And on that note of we are supposed to be those peculiar people, those Christ followers that are different from everyone else in the world, we have to choose that. And if we are saying, yeah, but <laughs> you mm. don't know, what this person did or how that affected me if we're saying yeah but we haven't chosen it that's right and christ is calling us to be steadfast he is calling us to set our eyes on him to his face is always turned toward us and so to turn our faces toward him and and let him and the ideal of his life be what we're pursuing more than being right more than even being heard And what Ashley says on page 137 in her book, I think these are great questions for us. And I would like to leave us all with these. She says, what are you growing when no one is watching? What are your faithful, ordinary practices that are keeping you steadfast, that are keeping your face turned towards Christ, that are keeping you moving towards that ideal? And will they sustain you when conflict calls? Not if conflict calls, when conflict calls. And I think if we can continue to ask ourselves those kinds of questions, lean into those things and do the uncomfortable work of being peacemakers and people who are going to love in the face of conflict, in the middle of conflict, then we're going to be getting this right more than we get it wrong.
1: Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Embodied Holiness. You can find all the episodes as well as links to resources and bonus materials on our website at embodiedholiness.com. We also invite you to join the community on Instagram at Embodied Holiness. We'll see you there.